Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We're recording this one Thursday evening, May the 11th, heading into Friday, May the 12th. Getting ready to talk about a lot of racing for this weekend and this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll talk some Friday Gulfstream, Friday Santa Anita, a couple best bets at each of those tracks. Then for Saturday, the Peter Pan at Belmont Park. We'll discuss that and the two other graded stakes races on the card couple best bets for Saturday at Gulfstream. Then we head over to Santa Anita, a couple plays over at Santa Anita in the late pick five sequence. Louisiana Downs racing on Saturday and Sunday, a couple best bets for those. So we'll give you some Friday, Saturday, and Sunday racing on this episode. Then we finish up with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. couple pieces of information to remember. First and foremost, Give me a follow on social media. It's me, Gino B, on Twitter. Best place to follow me there. And if you are a fan of the NBA, we have daily NBA shows. I haven't been talking as much overall basketball here because we're doing the daily preview shows every single day, previewing whatever games are on the playoff slate with Eric, who you've heard here on this show many times. So give me a follow. It's me, Gino B, and that will stream Monday through Friday 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time if there's an NBA game. Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern Time, there's an NBA game. We preview them all. Big Friday night coming up for the Lakers. Get nervous. Can they seal the deal, finish off the Warriors, and move on to the next round? If anyone can come back from a 3-1 deficit, it is a team like the Warriors. So Eric and I will talk about that game and all the games going on in the NBA playoffs throughout the next few rounds. And we will also make that transition soon once NBA starts and talking more sports. So if you want to get more daily plays, if you're someone who likes to put a few bucks on, you know, games each night while you're watching, make sure to follow on social media because you get a lot more of the daily uh, wagers, daily prop bets, daily fantasy stuff. It's me, Gino B. Okay, let's talk about uh, the horse racing coming up. We'll get into Friday. We'll get into Saturday. Lots of different tracks. Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Belmont, Louisiana Downs. Kick back and enjoy. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. 
one click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone cross device functionality you can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices on the go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Join us every Friday morning on social media. If you follow me, it's me, Gino B, or at Stable Duel, and you will get a look at this weekend in Stable Duel. It's a live stream show with myself, with Barry Spears, and with Matt DeSantis, and we give out all five to one and above morning line shots. It's the no chalk zone. We give you all the details for Stable Duel contest. So like this weekend, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Pimlico, contest for Gulfstream Park. They also have um, Steeplechase this weekend going on uh, for you Jumps fans. So lots of opportunities. Make sure to come hang out with us every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Barry Spears, Matt DeSantis, and myself. Let's dive into some racing for this weekend. Let's start with Gulfstream Park for Friday. Going to look at races 5 and 8 here at Gulfstream Park for May the 12th. So in the fifth race, at Gulfstream Park, the horse I'm the most intrigued by is the number nine, Unleveraged. So they're going to be going a mile in the turf here. This is a, an $8,000 claiming race. And if you look at Unleveraged, this is a horse who has big time speed from the outside and he's getting major class relief in here. Really a pretty easy horse to, to handicap and to understand because he just wants to be forwardly placed, but he can sit a little bit. He doesn't seem like he's necessarily need the lead one-dimensional. If he's close up and the pace is right and the scenario is right, um, he fits. And I think in this spot, with the outside draw, I would hope he's very aggressively handled. I like the number nine, unleveraged, 10 to one on the morning line. So it should give you a nice value there. Anything over six to one feels fair. Let's move to race number eight. A couple of horses I was looking at if you're playing any late exotics, but the one um, to play... On top is the seven. I also thought Cindy Lou Who is a, an interesting horse to include at a price. But the number seven, Dancing Deb. 
She made her debut back on April the 22nd in a five furlong turf maiden special weight race, a race just like this. She finished fifth that day, but she had a brutal start. She got bumped badly on both sides, and then the opening fractions were 21-2, and two, so you know, it takes her a little bit to get comfortable and she's just outrun a little early on. But she was in the three path and she started to show some really nice late energy. She's not far out of third. This is going to be her second start now, so she'll have an idea of what to expect a lot more once those gates open. I think you're going to get a big effort from her at a nice price. The number seven, Dancing Deb, is 15 to one on the morning line. So a couple plays for Friday at Gulfstream Park. Let's head on over to Santa Anita, look at a couple for Friday. Look at races one and eight for Santa Anita for Friday. In the opener, we have a maiden special weight race, and it's for three, four, and five-year-olds going a mile on the turf course. I like the one adventuresome. He's going to be making his second career start. He made his debut on April the 22nd at Santa Anita going six and a half furlongs on the turf. So he'll be stretching out to a mile here. In that debut... He had a good start. He was right on the lead, but three others to his outside were all sent hard, so he got put in a pretty tough spot. He had to take back a little bit, and then he got shuffled back, and he just couldn't re-rally. He has a decent little pedigree. His dam was a three-time winner, all kind of sprinting on the dirt, but he's a half to a six-time turf winner who was graded stakes placed. Now he gets the rail, he stretches out. There's not a ton of other early speed in here either. I think classically could be forwardly placed, but I don't know how quick he is. And I think the race and the pace is the ones to take him as far as he can go. Adventuresome. Race number one, the number one. Don't have to go far to find this one. Friday at Santa Anita. Now... Couple of horses just throughout the card. They're not really big enough prices to even really want to get out, give out the fourth race. I didn't really like anyone except for Ouija, who's going to be really, really short. Maybe a horse to key in on or single if you're playing any type of early exotics. In the sixth race, similar for Silver and Black, the number three. This horse won't be a price, probably going to be eight to five or so, but this is a really good spot for him in here and just no other monsters that he's facing for top notch connections. And then in the seventh race, I thought the one Blessed Touch was a little bit interesting. Again, these are all shorter prices, so I won't even really spend a whole lot of time talking about them. But if you're looking for races to maybe take a little bit of a stand, Blessed Touch has hooked some really tough company and should enjoy this turn back. But the other horse I like uh, on the card that I'll be playing on the, in the uh, the win pools will likely be in the eighth race, the number six, Precipice. Now, this filly... She raced twice at Parks against Pennsylvania Breds. In her debut, she was not bad. She finished third. She actually took money in both of her starts. She got bet. And then in her second start, it was back in February. Didn't have the best of starts, and she really didn't get into it. But she showed back up on April the 21st at Santa Anita in a new barn, and she dropped in with maiden 50 claimers. She had a slowish start. About sixth, seven or eight lengths off, but she moved nicely into contention. She tried to follow the eventual winner, and she ended up winning the photo for second. She's going to go second time on the turf. She's going to make her second start for this barn and at Santa Anita, and I actually think getting six and a half furlongs will help her in here. Looks like there are a few speeds to chase. Turquoise Bikini should be forwardly placed. Ava Storm should be forwardly placed. We'd imagine my gals, Don and Lori, 
after speed in the last few probably wants to be close up wouldn't be shocked to see a horse like senora minister also on the lead or even bella baby with the blinks from the rail so let's see if precipice can get the trip at five to one we'd need at least seven to two to make a win wager there that's friday at santa anita good luck santa anita on friday and at gulfstream park on friday let's turn the page to saturday but before we get into the racing for Saturday, let's talk about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, as a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you're looking for help with home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters, all sorts of great folks that she's worked with, she's experienced with. Maybe you need help with... Uh, a lender and a home loan, she'll connect you to the right type of lenders that will expedite that process and make things easier for you. That's her job. She wants to just make your life easier, let you know what the market looks like. She'll give you a free market analysis of your home's value. Anything you need in the world of real estate. If you're in the Southern California area, she knows this area really well. She's grown up here in the San Gabriel Valley, right around Santa Anita. So she in particular knows that Santa Anita area. And if you're somewhere in a different part of the state or in a different part of the country, contact her. She has great folks that she knows all over the place that she trusts that she will put you in touch with. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. CindyCarava.com. Let's move to Saturday. Let's talk a little Belmont. Let's move to Saturday at Belmont Park. They have the Grade 1 Man of War and the Peter Pan. Likely see a horse or two from here in the Belmont in a few weeks. So let's talk about the Man of War. That's race number 5. We'll look at the 5th, the 6th, and the ninth. the three graded stakes races on the Belmont card for Saturday. 5th race. Horse to beat in here is Warren Point, the number 2. He comes in here for Charles Appleby for the first time. Most recently raced in a Group 1 in Qatar and this is a horse who's done nothing wrong he's been in the money in all seven of his starts and he is you know group one placed the last five years Charles Appleby in North America is 28 for 57 in graded stakes races he is 20 for 44 73 percent in the money 45 percent winning percentage with a three dollar and 26 ROI if you bet two bucks on every one of his 44 horses, you'd have a lot of money back. You'd be making $3.26 for every two. So, Warren Point. Warren Point. No doubt the horse to beat in race number five. Now, the horse to bet, maybe a couple different ways to go. Warren Point, I wouldn't want to leave him completely out of exotics. Channel Maker looks like the horse to catch. There's not all that much early speed in here. His last effort wasn't terrible, and it was his first start in a few months. He could be a little sharper now with that one under him. Verstappen is in excellent form right now. He won the Elkhorn that many of these exit. Soldier Rising is also making his first start of the year, so if you can eliminate his last effort in the Red Smith, he would fit really well in here with some of his better races from 2022. But the horse who I'm kind of the most intrigued by at the the likely price is value engineering he started getting really good he put three nice races together one on the synthetic won a grade two at Gulfstream park and was second right behind red knight in a, a grade three at Gulfstream. 
And then last time out, he just really didn't fire. Was it the good turf course? The other time we saw him on a good turf course, most recently at Saratoga back in 2022, he didn't really run that well either that day. So can we just excuse that last effort from value engineering? You know, his race back in November was behind a tone. That race looks a lot better after the last couple months. Yeah, it's just... I think he's going to be way bigger priced than he should. He was 3-1 to one last time out, and if he is in that 8-1 to one above range, let's give a look to value engineering as you know perhaps the horse to play in here. In race number 6, that's the Peter Pan. Now, Slip Mahoney is also entered in a stakes race at Monmouth Park, opening weekend at Monmouth this weekend. So that's on Saturday. We'll see where he ends up going. I thought the two horses that exit the Wood Memorial are the ones that intrigue me the most. Slip Mahoney is 4-1. to one. He had a brutal first furlong. He checked hard. Then he started to travel well down on the inside, but kind of moved through a tight spot. He had to move to the outside. He seems like he's kind of one of those horses with some issues, though. He's obviously his own worst enemy at times, but I think he fits really well with this group. Bishop's Bay is the horse to beat, but not really an intriguing horse to bet. Classic Catch looks like he's slightly improving. Also, the blinkers go on. That should give him a little more focus and help get him into the race earlier. I don't think he has to be that far out of it as he was last time. He was way out of it. Horse like Ghost Soldier Go will probably take some money because he comes out of the UAE Derby behind Derma Sotagake. And his form prior to that was very good. He's well defeated by Derma Sotagake and Continuar, a couple of horses who were entered in the Derby. I'll give Slip Mahoney classic catch a look. Let's see which one of them is the better, the better price and probably land in that uh, direction. Bishop's Bay is the horse to beat. And then in the ninth race, we have a sprint stakes race in race number nine. It is the grade three run happy. Six furlongs on the dirt. I'm going to give the number four Candyman Rocket another shot back. He was in really nice form. He had rattled off three in a row. Um, all of his best work has really been down at Gulfstream, but he's run well before at Belmont. His race at Belmont was not bad here back in 2021. He was not far behind Baron, who will be here again and probably be the horse to, to beat. But just seeing how the race shapes up, I think it'll be a much better spot for Candyman Rocket. In the Count Fleet, he chased the gate-to-wire winner, and he was just a little farther back. That horse was really fast and got some separation, and nobody passed. In here, Mr. Phil will be forwardly placed. I'd imagine Twisted Ride is going to want to be forwardly placed. Baron is going to want to be forwardly placed. So you probably have those three combinations of them. And then Candyman Rocket, I think, can sit right behind. So feel like he gets a really nice trip in here. 7-2 on the morning line, Candyman Rocket. I also wouldn't be against giving stage left a look if you feel like the race is going to shape up with a good amount of early speed and for, for a horse to sit off the pace. That may be the number 5 stage left, who he had thrown in some really good races earlier in his career. He's a 7-year-old now. He's in the David Jacobson barn. And he's heading back in the right direction. He jumped up with a big win. Can he kind of repeat that effort? He comes back quickly, but that's never been a problem for this barn. Always good when they get horses 
you know, winning, and then they wheel him back real quick. So four and five for me in the ninth race. A couple races to look at for Belmont Saturday. Best of luck on Saturday at Belmont Park. If you like to play fantasy sports, you will really enjoy this new website that I stumbled upon called Thrive Fantasy. You can download the app or go to the website thrivefantasy.com. And what you can do there is you can play in contests that are like big daily fantasy contests. What's nice is most of them, their biggest contest will be $20 contest where you play against like 100 or so other entries. You can play bigger games, but those are usually the uh, the, the entry, the contest that they max out at about 100, 115 entries. So you're not playing against a whole bunch of other bot entries, computer-generated entries. What I really like, though, they have a prop lobby. They give you a bunch of props throughout the day, and you can parlay those props. And if you do, they'll actually pay out better than if you were to uh, to wager on prop parlays anywhere else. They give you better payouts for a two-prop parlay, three-prop parlay. Another cool perk. You can play in California, in Texas, in some locations where sports betting is not legal yet because this is daily fantasy you can still get some action, watch the games, put together parlays for as little as a dollar all the way up to a thousand. And when you use the promo code GINO, you deposit anything from 25 up to 250. They'll give you a match deposit bonus with a four time rollover. This is really fun. Uh, give it a try, put a few bucks in, use the promo code GINO, it'll give you a boost. And let me know what you think about it. ThriveFantasy.com. Let's continue with the Saturday racing. Let's get to Gulfstream Park as we head over for a few on Saturday. Let's take a look at races 6, 7, and 10 at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. So the sixth race, there's a couple juvenile races that are tied in to Royal Ascot. And the first of them is the sixth race at Gulfstream Park, which is the Royal Palm Juvenile. Five furlongs on the turf. I like the number seven, No Name Mets. Only a couple works for this one published, but his dam was a grade three winner going six furlongs on the turf in the career debut. The sire was four for six with two seconds, was a grade one winner and a multiple graded stakes winner. Beautifully bred. I think there's something here. With this George Weaver first-time starter, super capable of getting horses ready to fire in the debut. No, nay, Mets. The number seven in race number six at Gulfstream Park. 12 to 1 on the morning line. We need at least six and above to get involved. We move to race number seven. I'm looking at the number four in here. This is a maiden special eight for three-year-olds and up. Six furlongs on the dirt. Omni King. Debuted back on April the 15th, and that's the only race that he's run in his career. He really wasn't asked for that much speed early. He was at the rear, about six or seven lengths off, and he was in between horses. Then he moved inside. He showed some nice late energy, but he wasn't really being asked all that much late. I I think Omni King is very intriguing here. I think there's a little bit more to him, and I'm expecting a big improvement second time out. He is 10-1 to on the morning line. Let's move to race number 10 at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. It's the third of three plays on Saturday at Gulfstream. In the 10th race, we're looking at the number 8 factor that. This filly should be out uh, winging it on the front end early. 
She's shown speed in all five of her career starts. And her last few starts, she's had some trouble. She's had races that were followed by long layoffs. And now she's just going to get a reduced level. They're going to put her out on the front end and hope that this lower class level will help. She's also never been farther than five and a half. So she should have a couple lengths on this field. I think they can harness her speed. She's a nice horse to use in your pick fours and pick fives because if you're closing something and she has a couple lengths on the field and she doesn't come back to them, you want to make sure you have her. Factor that. The number eight, 10 to one on the morning line in race number 10 there at Gulfstream Park. So look at Saturday Gulfstream Park. Let's move from Gulfstream to Santa Anita. If you are in the state of Iowa and you're looking for a place to wager on sports, you have to check out DRF Sportsbook. You know, daily racing form. Well, yeah, now they've branched out into sports and sports wagering, and you're going to see them starting to pop up with Sportsbook, legalized sports wagering in different states all around the country. Right now, they're legal in Iowa, and if you use the promo code FAST1000, it'll give you a a 1,000 deposit match. So go... Right now, if you're in the state of Iowa, Fast 1000 at DRF Sportsbook. DRF Sports and sign up right now. Okay, we move to Santa Anita for Saturday. A couple plays uh, I'm looking at for Santa Anita. Now, don't forget, every Saturday and Sunday at Santa Anita, they have a free contest for $500 to the winner. It doesn't cost you anything to enter. It's a pick'em contest, the website pick'em.sananita.com and what it is, it's a combination of sports and horse racing questions there are 12 questions every Saturday, every Sunday you have to answer all 12 and some of them will ask you how many strikeouts will the starting pitcher for the Dodgers have on Saturday look at who the Dodgers are playing check it out, how's the strikeouts been for that particular starting pitcher do you know? Do a little uh, analysis and then make your pick It'll ask you some races just to pick the winner of race number three at Santa Anita on Saturday. So if you know sports, you like horse racing, this will be fun for you to get involved in every Saturday, every Sunday, 500 bucks to the winner. Let's talk about Santa Anita for Saturday. So let's look at the late pick five sequence, a couple races I wanted to talk about in there. First up, the fifth race. It's a maiden special weight race for three, uh, three four, and five-year-olds. Six furlongs on the turf course. The number five, Gio Venazzo is probably um, the horse to beat in there. And the D'Amato first-time starters have not been really doing all that well lately. If you look at 1984, uh, D'Amato's only won for 31 over the last year with first-time starters, only seven of those in the money. So the horse that I think is a bit interesting in here is the eight neon lights. I think that's the horse to bet. This horse is anything around five to one. I'm going to play him to win. He debuted back in Dundalk in January, so in Ireland, and it was on a synthetic track. He was fourth in a field of eleven. He didn't run poorly at all that day. He comes back on April the 22nd. He sits kind of in the second flight. He's in a little bit of a traffic. He wanted to go, but he settled nicely and sort of looked like a race that he needed. Now he's going to put two starts together. Gets a little bit of a cutback here, and I think. He could be sitting in a really nice spot. In a race where you have a lot of questions, he should be a major player. And I think the price will be right. He's 8-1 to on the morning line. Anything around 5 feels fair. 
Now the number nine, act three, the damn divine actress was a stakes winner. She won on the turf going long. This is, this is a full brother to Oscar performance. Four-time grade one winner, earned $2.3 million, was an eight-time winner. And all that success, you know, all that big success on the turf. Oscar nominated was multiple graded stakes winner, $1.5 million. So Oscar performance, $2.3 million. Oscar nominated, $1.5 million. Award winner was a grade two winner. Six direct siblings, five of them are turf winners. The pedigree for this one is fantastic, and it's all turf. The barn, four for 45 with first-time starters over the last five years. So capable with the right type of horse. I'm going to go eight, five, nine in race number five. Sixth race is a 32, non-winners a two. Five and a half on the dirt. I thought the three and the four were the most interesting in here. You have Run Snappy, who's a total wild card. This horse hasn't run since January of 2022, so we're, we're coming up on almost a year and a half. But look at some of the horses he he lost to. Get Her Number, graded stakes winner. Essential Wager, grade three winner. American Theorem, grade one winner, a multiple graded stakes winner. Mucho Del Oro has won three in a row at that point. And Gold Phoenix is a grade one winner. This is a way softer spot, and if he's ready to go five and a half off the bench, he, you know, he could be tough in here. Run snappy. Now, Golden Spa should get the trip, because Book Smart is fast. Run snappy has to want to just get out of there and send. Midnight Lightning is fast. Little Brother Joey is fast. Golden Spa's last two races just were in races where he couldn't, nobody passed. Stay in the game went basically wire to wire and crowning gold went wire to wire and golden spa was down inside traveling well he had absolutely nowhere to go he got shuffled off kind of you know shifted off late he made up some ground but nobody was making up ground we can pass horses four three for me we'll take a little swing against book smart who will try to be flashing speed from the rail but we'll probably have other speed to the outside to deal with then you have Race number seven, six furlongs on the turf. I like the number four in here a little bit, man overboard. This horse raced at Sunland, won his career debut in a maiden special weight. That race has now produced two next out winners, the second and third place finisher. And now man overboard comes into the Ryan Hansen barn, comes over to Santa Anita, and he goes against Calbreds. He faced open company in his debut, and everybody else in here has had a lot of, like, their success against Calbreds. You know, Irish royalty is also a multiple winner and has defeated open company. He's a horse who I would include for sure. I have him picked second in here. But I like Man Overboard at a little bit more of a price. His dam was two for seven on turf and was stakes place. I thought the work maybe like a little step slow, but then I, I thought it was pretty good. And his only sibling to try turf won on it. I'm gonna use the four in all exotics. I'm gonna play him if he's five to one or, or above. But I also included the six Irish royalty the two left-hand man, the eight long may she reign, and the one devil among us underneath. I'm going to play man overboard on top of them. And then those of them on top of a man overboard. But I'm going to try to get him in the mix, and I'm going to build a lot of things around the number four man overboard. And then 
it's a little bit later, you know, in the eighth race, I, I'm not going to really give you an opinion. You have a multiple grade one winner, Dr. Chevelle, coming off of a long layoff, hasn't raced since March. There's not much speed in this race for a six furlong dirt sprint. CZ Rocket is the old nine-year-old who's a 12-time winner. If Dr. Chevelle is ready to go from the rail and they just send him, he's going to be pretty tough. But this is a, it's a hard race to have a strong opinion about because it's just no value really for me. And then in the ninth race, it's the San Luis Ray, mile and a half on the turf. Planetario, talk about some real wild cards here. You have Dr. Chevelle coming off a long layoff. You have Planetario in the ninth, who's a multiple group one winner. Showed up in June of 2022, raced once, and then we haven't seen him again. And then now Mandela throws him in the San Luis Ray off a long layoff. He just worked a mile and an eighth. Dicey Mochara's in here. Awfully Naughty. And Opry, they were the top three finishers of the Winningham. I actually think if you're trying to find value in this race, it might be with Opry. He's proven that he fits with these groups in the last couple. Now we'll put two starts together. He had a short little break. He sat second behind Dicey Mochara. He moved up the challenge and took the lead. Then Dicey Mo battled back. I can see them trying to get aggressive with him in here from the outside. Trying to get the lead over Dicey Mochara, who's not normally a speed horse, but in that particular day, because of the way the race shaped up, Dicey Mo just went to the lead. I'd love to see Opry handled aggressively. You have midcourt, multiple graded stakes winner who has not raced since February of 2022. So some real wild cards in the last couple races at Santa Anita on Saturday. Good luck at Santa Anita on Saturday, and don't forget about those pick'em contests. Let's head over to Louisiana Downs. Louisiana Downs currently racing Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I am providing best bets a couple races each day on the card right now. Probably start sending in some pick fours or maybe even pick fives certain days here and there. But every day that they're racing, I'll be sending in a video and then a graphic. So you'll probably see a best bet for me pop up if you're watching the races from Louisiana. You might see a video for me also early on in the card. Let's talk about... Saturday, May the 13th. Let's talk about race number one. There's just not much speed in this race at all. It's a low-level maiden race. It's a maiden $5,000 claimer. The only horse that has shown any semblance of proven speed is the five-secret moment. And that that race, when showing speed, came at this $5,000 level when she dropped down here for the first time. All of her races prior to that were against better. She dropped down to this level. It was a career-best and she showed good speed, and now she hooks a field like nobody else in here that's shown any early speed whatsoever. So I'm, I'm giving the number five secret moment a big look in the opener. Let's move to race number four at Louisiana Downs on Saturday. It's a maiden special weight going a mile and 70 yards on the dirt. I like the two in here relay. So... He got action, she got action in both of her starts. She was bet at Belmont and Aqueduct a little in the debut, and the race came back live. Then in her second start, she was actually favored against Maiden Special Weights at Tampa. Both of those races were in the Suge McGahee barn. She moves over to the Asmussen barn now. This filly has a nice pedigree. She has nine winning siblings. She's a half to a graded. Uh, she's a half to a stakes winner and graded stakes placed closing bell who earned five hundred sixty thousand. She's a half to grade two winner here the ghost. 
She has a steady tab of local works at Louisiana Downs. She's a half to grade one winner, multiple graded stakes winner. Who is three for six. She has four siblings that are multiple winners. You can look at her debut. It was in the slop. Faced tough company in both. She drew the rail in her second start. Now she stretches out. It just feels like she's a lot better than what we've seen. The number two relay is 12 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything in the 5 to 1 plus range, I think that's fair. So, a couple horses for you on Saturday at Louisiana Downs. Remember, 17% takeout in the win play show, and they have 15% takeout with their pick fours and their pick fives. They changed them last year, no longer those jackpot styles. So, get involved at Louisiana Downs. And let's move to Sunday. Give you a couple best bets for Sunday at Louisiana. Let's take a look at races one and four at Louisiana Downs. For Sunday, we're looking at May the 14th. And in race number one, I like the three king of the court. This is a five furlong sprint, and it just looks like there is a ton of speed with the rest of the field. The one, Glenn's jumper, he wants to go. The two, Wonder Run, he wants to be forwardly placed. You have Hug the Money, he's got to go. Tripper John, he has to go. And Let It Be, all of them want to be right on the front end. The one that really has proven that he can sit off the pace is the number three king of the court. He gets the setup in here. He's in fantastic form. His last six races, they're all top three finishes. He's won three of them with two seconds, or he's won three with a second and two thirds. His last three are all at this level or above. He's been facing $5,000 claimers and $7,500 claimers. He's a fantastic fit in here. King of the court, the number three. 7-2 on the morning line. That's at Louisiana Downs on Sunday. We move to race number four. And I'm looking at the number two in here. This is a Louisiana bred $5,000 claimer. It's a non-winner of two. They'll go five and a half on the dirt. G21 Buck comes back to Louisiana Downs where he's done his best work. Last year, he put in two really nice efforts in back-to-back races, one of them breaking his maiden on a muddy track. Then he came back and he finished second behind a sharp horse named Cohere. And following that, tried the turf, then went over to fairgrounds, was on a good uh, good dirt course. He ran back-to-back thirds in not bad efforts, left the Shane Wilson barn, now in the Juan La Rosa barn. But after being claimed by La Rosa, and trying a tougher ten dollars to $15,000 beating claim and race, and going longer, he'll now drop in class, back to the $5,000 level, back to the level where he claimed, him, and he'll come back to Louisiana. He'll get back to five and a half furlongs, the distance in which he broke his maiden. He's shown speed, but I figure he'll be a little bit more off the pace in here. Number two, G21 Buck. He is five to one on the morning line. Anything over 3-1 to will make a win wager there. So there's a look at Louisiana Downs for Sunday. Before we finish up with Chad Cooper, I want to let everybody know about a great gift. Or if you're someone who loves candles, this is for you. SarahCandles.com. C-E-R-A Candles.com. These are all natural. They're soy wax. No toxins. No carcinogens. No pollutants. They're healthier for you. They burn better. 
And when you use the promo code GINO, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A, Candles.com. Time to finish up with Chad Cooper. We move from WWE, talking about backlash in Puerto Rico, Monday Night Raw with the championship tournament for the new World Heavyweight Championship. We get over to NXT and talk about the women's world title there for the NXT Women's Championship. And then we finish with AEW. Koopa Loop, Chad Cooper joins on This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Coming off the heels of another really big week in the world of wrestling, WWE had a great week in Puerto Rico with a couple huge shows on SmackDown and then with Backlash. And it's a very good week for AEW. The ticket sales for their big show uh, overseas has been excellent. Reports of them with a new show coming. We'll see how good or bad that does. But when anytime you get the opportunity to have a new show, uh, that should be positive. And I thought this week's episode pretty good there are positives and negatives throughout but it felt like another good buzzworthy week in wrestling chad cooper how you doing my friend i'm doing well gino uh, yeah you know what's what's odd is would you ever thought that we would be mentioning bad bunny could he be a legitimate threat to take the titles away from roman reigns Roman Reigns. This guy guy, guy is incredible what he's done to have no real training in professional wrestling and come in what he's done. I mean, it'd be like bringing in Elvis back in the 70s, right? The NWA or uh, Jerry Lawler's Memphis Wrestling. You know, they they brought in, uh, you know, Andy, uh, Andy Kaufman. But But, this this is just a wild time for professional wrestling, man. This this is like one of the biggest stars in the world, and he is laying it all out there on the line. Incredible to uh, to see the response from the crowds. He got one of the biggest pops you will ever hear, ever. It was unbelievable. And let's just sort of start there, Koopa Loop. We'll like, we'll get into a little NXT and a little AEW after we start with WWE. And the, that show was just so much fun when. When they are able to travel to these different places, to these different uh, countries and these different territories or these locations, even states and places that haven't had shows in a while, it's so much fun to hear the crowds respond. And that's what we got here. I mean, we opened the the show with what could have been, honestly, the match of the night. I know most people yeah. was probably Bad Bunny versus Priest or, um, you know. There were a couple different directions to go. Bianca, EO, the crowd goes nuts for EO. And this match was great. It went 18 minutes. And now you sort of feel like EO is a real legitimate singles competitor in the women's division. Um, It was fascinating to see the crowd kind of turn on Bianca. But I think it was more embracing EO than it was really not liking Bianca. And what was even impressive is... Bianca kind of played into it a little bit. She worked that like a heel because she's been a heel. 
Yeah, and you know what? That shows you what kind of superstar uh, that we're that we're dealing with, and not everyone uh, on either side, uh, men or women, can do can pull this off. Some could have like, oh man, I don't know what to do in this moment, and just uh, couldn't feed into it. But she did, and that shows you how good. Look, I'm, you know, and everyone else that listens every week, I'm not the biggest Bianca fan in the world. I've been a very big critic of her. Well, her uh, stories have been. non-existent for about six months now but her matches have not been they're always great and and that's and her storylines have been not her fault you can only do what they tell you to do but what she was able to do in this match when when that hostile crowd in puerto rico took over that first match and you know she could have fought it and just been okay and ignored it but she played into it and it made the match a lot more intriguing than it already was and look when you could pull off an 18 minute match in the beginning in a hot crowd and have them on the edge of your seats that's saying a lot about something and Bianca deserves a lot of that credit but what a what a match by these two ladies just like as you said EO standing ovation for her she can go I think we forget a lot of times because how good she was into a tag team you know, right? She was put into tag teams. So you don't get get to see her a lot in the ring. Uh, man, we were reminded that uh, she's a star, and and what an opening match for this uh, for this event last Saturday night, man! It was incredible. And now, who knows where they go? Because this is the type of thing that I don't know if Bianca is going to be getting booed all over the place, right? No, this may no, have been no, just no. in like that situation with that crowd. They really wanted to cheer Io, but this could be something. That if they ever do want to, which I keep getting, they ever do want to go to that Bianca heel turn. Yeah. This could be something she leans into. I was the champ. I was the longest reigning women's champ. And you booed me. People booed booed me. me? And they cheered for EO Sky. I am the (laughs) fastest, the strongest, the, the, you know, she just goes right into it. And then everything she does, she just sort of turns it up a little bit with a little more heel. That's yeah, all. Her behavior yeah, could, wouldn't even have to change all that much. No, I could see her being like a Mrs. Perfect. You know, remember yes. like Mr. Perfect would do these things. Incredible athlete, and I can do everything better than you. Yep, it'd be a, yep. it'd be a, it'd be great. She's, and EO she's could so be good. Could be a total baby face with her ring style. Yeah, like she's, I think, and I think we're getting a tease with, uh, with with that faction anyway. I think there's been a tease with Bailey. Um, yeah, something's going to happen there. But, man, I tell you what, that'd be an about face. And you want to shake some things up, let Bianca be healed. Because I guarantee it should be a really good one. So, anyone who's ever not liked Seth Rollins, if you don't <laughs> like him outside of the ring, or, you know, the fact that he really is, like, the WWE flag bearer, and the guy who is the lock, he wants to be the locker room leader, and he'll tell you he's the locker room leader too. That that's fine. But what this guy's done the last couple years in ring and starting to connect with the crowd, which was always one of the, I guess the um, the knocks on Seth is that he was great in ring, but did he ever have a character like since the Shield that was really like a great character? It it always felt like his in ring work was awesome but his character work was just like a little bit behind and man now crowds love him everywhere he goes there was a video of a crowd did you see this in the uk singing his song for like 12 Unreal. minutes oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it was funny my son milo now um 
he's starting to really repeat like he repeats a lot of the stuff with me and he'll like he kind of remembers and understands the stuff pretty well so uh he does the rollins with me a little bit he does the cody with the whoa (laughs) and uh yeah so he's he's getting into some of these too and this was the best match omos has had and this was fantastic um, and what does that say? Hey, what does that say? Because Omos has worked with Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley. He's worked with a lot of people. So what does that tell you about Seth Rollins? He gets it. He's willing to give anyone all that they can to to make them to make them look strong. Seth nowadays, I think I think one of the the things I've noticed about him in the last couple of years, um, this is a this was something that that I had a problem with when I was acting coop when i was doing acting stuff you always you know especially when you're just coming up you always kind of want to play the cool person or you want to act like you're cool like you don't initially want to pick a role that makes you look weak or makes you look not strong and i think that might have been the case for seth a lot of the time i think he always just wanted to look and sound cool and now when he's in the ring he just has a fantastic match. He's so good at selling. He made Omos look like a million bucks. And you and I have been very critical of Omos. He's young. He's got a long way to go. Just that we don't know if he should have been put in these prime matches so far. But you know what? Was this all Seth Rollins? Maybe. But can we also say that Omos is improving now from where he's been in his last few matches? The match at WrestleMania was fine with Brock. It was fine. It wasn't bad. It wasn't anything fantastic. It was exactly what it needed to be. This match was by far his best. This was was an above average average match overall, and it was much better than you would have expected from him. Yeah, it, you 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 want to you wonder if was this a, a a showcase for Seth as he was as he's making his run through this tournament and we'll get to that well, let's talk about bit. it right now go ahead we'll talk about it okay. right now because so, we're gonna move into raw so seth rollins on monday night raw is a part of the tournament to crown the new world heavyweight championship and seth rollins has a match with it's a three-way match he ends up winning a match was it miz and nakamura yes that he beats and so he goes on there was another triple threat match later in the night that finn balor ends up winning so finn and Seth have a match at the end of Monday Night Raw, and Seth Rollins is now going to be in this tournament final. Seth Rollins will be representing Monday Night Raw. We'll talk a little bit more about the tournament overall, but, I mean, it would very much make sense for Seth to be the guy to have this, and I think the reason why, to me, it makes the most sense, Chad, and I keep thinking about it, he didn't get beat by Roman. He's the only one who actually didn't lose to Roman Reigns clean over and over. If you gave it to Finn, he lost to Roman. If you gave it to Edge, he lost to Roman. If you gave it to Rey Mysterio, he lost to Roman. If you gave it to all the guys on the other side, they've lost to Roman. This guy did not lose to Roman Reigns. And if you ever want to go back there down the line, but at least for this first guy holding the belt, it doesn't feel like, oh, he couldn't beat Roman, so he has to come get this belt. Yeah, you make a lot of good points. You know, uh, I, you know, from the beginning, there there were three names tied to this title, right? It was he, Cody, and Drew McIntyre. And now that uh, Cody is is 
it's still with Brock, and I, and I, and I it really, really enjoyed the way, and we'll talk about that Brock match here in a second. I like the way Brock got involved, and you called it. Uh, you, you said that Brock was, was going to cost Cody his spot. So um, <clears throat> is it too obvious for Seth? Is, is this a swerve that WWE, are we just trying to be uh, overbooking this thing? I, I, I think Seth is the guy for this title for, for just the Roman factor alone. If you want to put some legitimacy on the first title holder of this new title, Seth Rollins would be that guy. Now, we still got to go through some matches at SmackDown. So who is okay on the SmackDown side? We've got Sheamus, mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio, Edge, AJ Styles. Who's the last one? Let me pull it up. I, I like AJ advancing. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Edge is the guy though either. Um, uh, you got to think that you know the finals are, is with the Night of Champions, the Saudi yeah. Arabia show. That's where we're crowning it. And so what they did, it seems like they wanted to really make sure that they could have had another match or more matches in the next few weeks, but they wanted to make sure they have this final set so that way they can have a, a week or two of build between the, the two. I, I like that better than just getting to the final. Because and now tomorrow night is that, yeah, yeah, me too. So now you can sort of know, okay, hey, here's who we who we have. Here's who's going to be in this final. And... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, you think about Rome or you think about Seth and with what they said about someone who is a workhorse, someone who's defending it, Seth Rollins could have like TV matches for the world title against guys like Chad Gable. Love it. Right. And I you think know, that's like, what this title is for too. And that, we, that we, would, and that would be cool. Like he could do, he does, I'm not saying he does it every week or cause then it sort of, it d- dilutes it a little bit, but we could see this being defended a lot more often and against people that we want to see get good matches, but we never really even like build them up for a pay-per-view for Roman with the way Roman's been treated recently. So I, I think it's gotta be Seth. I really do. It it sort of feels like it. And, and it's gotta be a a raw guy too, right? They can't have someone from SmackDown (laughs) when Roman's on SmackDown and then this just defeats the whole purpose of this. Yeah, that defeats the purpose of having the draft unless you just say, okay, this SmackDown guy won, so he now moves to Raw. I, I just sometimes the obvious kind of scares me a little bit, you know? You know, I, mean, I know, because they love to swerve. They do, but I, I don't think this is a swerve here. And, and and just the fact that, and I think this is a reason to put this title on Seth, and I think that's what this title is about, is what you just said. Look, we've been without Roman matches on both Raw and SmackDown for how long now? And to have a world title match on Raw is a pretty big deal. And I can't remember when the last time a world title was put on the line on Raw or SmackDown. It's been no, that I think long. SmackDown we had, was it Riddle versus Roman? That's that, right, it was. Right? So and that was the match one. that Riddle lost and he wasn't able to face him for the title anymore. That's right. And it was like the middle of last year because remember Riddle got hurt and he was gone for a while. Yeah, so it's been a while. So I think this title is for that purpose because Seth can do those type of matches. Now I'm curious to see who comes out of the the SmackDown side. Will it be AJ? Will it be Edge? So it's AJ, Edge, and Ray in the first match. And the second match is Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, and Sheamus. Oh, wow. 
So what's funny Man. about the first match is you've got all three baby faces, <laughs> right? Right. AJ Edge and, and Ray and like the three legends, like three legends in there. And then you've got Theory, Lashley, Sheamus, Theory, Lashley and Bronson Reed had a triple threat match for the U.S. title. I don't think I don't Lashley's I don't think Lashley's going to win this tournament because I don't no. think you're going to have him do that while he's holding this title, because I think that title is going to have to be a little bit more important on that show. Because sure. there's no Roman there week in, week out. So And we've already been we've already seen Theory Seth, right? Yeah. So, so I don't know if we're gonna go back Seth. there. Like Lashley Seth or or Lash like Lashley winning that or Sheamus winning that would make the most sense. Um yeah, and then you could get any combination of Lashley versus Ray, Edge, or AJ. I I personally was thinking AJ Seth when I saw the that's that's what I thought too. Bracket, because I feel like AJ right now, getting him back into that spot would be good for him. But then on the flip side, do you maybe not put AJ in that match if you're going to have him lose? Because AJ could be someone that you could put to Roman pretty quickly, right? Yeah, and and have we done Edge Roman at all? That was the remember that was the WrestleMania match that got added Daniel Bryan. To it. That's right. That's right. Edge run the rumble. He came back, but that was a while ago. Um, I mean, it was it was Edge is probably gonna get another one with Roman, I think. Sure. I feel like we'll get that too. So maybe you have something where intriguing. Yeah, it's it's cool. I like it when when we is it it two faces? Is it two faces in the finals? Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe they put a couple of baby faces in there because I mean Lashley and Seth have had a lot of stuff recently too. I don't know if they would go there. Sheamus, Seth, you could go back to Edge and Seth with all the stuff that Edge has, and maybe you could even do something where, like, I don't know. We're, I love that we're talking it out, but yeah, Seth yeah, Rollins it, just it, feels by far the the, the yeah, safest here. Has to be. Zelina Vega didn't get the win, but between Zelina and then the match following that, Zelina gets to come out with the Puerto Rican flag. She gets basically her WrestleMania <laughs> moment. She could have had a match at WrestleMania that wouldn't have been anything close to this for her personally uh, ever. And and then following this, Bad Bunny Damian Priest go 25 minutes in a San Juan street fight that brings out Carlito, Savio Vega. Um, <laughs> Damian Priest said that the whole island of Puerto Rico had to hold him down. This was so much fun. For all the bells and whistles, it was overbooked, but it was supposed to be overbooked because this was a main event for the people of Puerto Rico. This was, again, like a WrestleMania match that was pointed right at the group of people that this was for. And it was it was as good as it could have been. They, they, they're, they, I don't think between the reaction from Bad Bunny to start, Damian Priest looked incredible. They went 25 minutes. Bad Bunny can sell. He's incredible. The crowd was into this. Getting all of the old legends back in. Carlito coming out, spitting the apple in his face. <laughs> Dominic, Ray, the LWO oh, are all in the mix. Coop, I don't like it when every match is overbooked like this. But when it's in this setting for this crowd, this was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, kudos to Zelina. I mean, uh, what a moment for her. You know, what she's been going through, uh, you know, losing her father, you know, in in the 9-11 tragedy and wanting to have a match in Puerto Rico in front of her 
family and, and friends and fans was an incredible moment. And, and Rhea did an amazing job with her. And, you know, as I mentioned, it's, it's the start of this. Um, Bad Bunny is just incredible uh, at everything he's been able to do and pick up as fast. But at the same time, uh, w- you can't just put anybody in there and work with Bad Bunny. Um, kudos to Damian Priest. Look, if you ever, if you, you know, there, there's been a couple of times you and I have both sat here and talked about Damian Priest may be in trouble. You know, he's kind of floating mm-hmm. around a little bit. He was in a faction, you know, they, they put Finn and Rhea with him and he still kind of, it didn't feel like he was the leader. We thought Finn or Rhea was, but this guy has naturally become the leader of that faction. And what he was able to do in this match, if you don't think this guy is is not a star, then you don't know what talent is because Damian Priest is so freaking good, man. And I don't know what this the payoff week, is man, for him. He was Ooh. he was carrying himself like a star. He just looked yeah. as, there was a confidence to him. And he looks that, the part too now, doesn't it? It's just something has changed about him over the last several months. And, he, and I was bummed because he he didn't get pinned, right? But he was in that other triple threat with Seth that lost. Right. 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 It was or no, no, it was he was in the other the other triple threat but didn't win, but it wasn't it was him. Was it Nakamura and Priest and Seth? It was those three. And then in the other one was with Miz. Um, so I hope they have something planned for him because yeah. he would he would be really good again with like a, the mid-card title. He had the U.S. title for a while. That would Something like that would feel good for him. But uh, And he goes what? to SmackDown, right? They're going to SmackDown. Is that correct? Or are they all three staying on Raw? I think they're 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 staying and they're staying and that's right. Bianca goes to SmackDown. Bianca goes okay. and okay. you know you the question I was asking, I was wondering, and we're kind of getting all all around here, but that's fine because we're talking all uh, all about backlash and raw. Gunther, who we haven't seen yet on Raw, but we did see Imperium come out. And right. Sammy and KO had a match against them, which I you know, we saw the bloodline beat Sammy, KO, and Riddle. They pinned Riddle. In that six-man tag match, it looked like Solo was going to go after the Usos a couple times in that match. They really teased them um, splitting. I've, I'm a little bummed right now because for Sammy and KO, you feel like they would have been a part of this tournament if they sure. weren't in the tag team mat, match. And they're a little cooled off right now. You know, they do just feel a little like I'm glad there's still something happening, but they don't feel nearly as important as they did. A month ago, and that's always the problem, right? After the big win, what are you going to do next? So we'll kind of see what happens for them. But do you think we're going to get them or Riddle in something with Gunther for the IC title? It almost looked like we may have that because I'm trying to look at Raw as Gunther comes over. Who is like the baby face that goes after him for the IC title right now? Is it Riddle? Is it Sammy KO where they do one of those things where... Gunther has a triple threat against the two of them. I don't know, but because it doesn't really, I can't really figure out who on Raw is going to be someone to to challenge Gunther next. Yeah, so uh, to go back to the KO, Sammy uh, being cool, we were worried that that was going to happen to Cody Rhodes after losing to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And boy, were we wrong, right? Yeah. We thought it was going to be the opposite. We thought KO Sammy were just going to be on fire, on fire. And, oh, poor Cody. Can't believe they're doing this to him. And lo and behold, him and what him and 
Brock have been able to do over the last couple of weeks has been pretty amazing. Uh, it's very, very intriguing uh, with their match at, uh, at Backlash, Brock getting busted open, and then him coming out and, and costing Cody uh, his how, spot in the how tournament. How scary did he look with that black eye and how he man, was all cut up on Monday man, Night Raw? And he's just hovering over Cody Rhodes. Uh, yeah, there is some concern here with KO and Sammy because, you know, they already kind of teased them a little bit their first or second night, uh, their second Raw with champions, uh, like some arguments uh, a little bit as Riddle has been around. Gunther uh, will be back this week. Uh, if you know, if you follow him on social media, he he, he got married. Um, this guy, you talk about some guy looking scary. He was like doing these dances during his wedding. And I'm like, <laughs> this is a guy that could break your legs. And at the same time, do the, do any type of dance you wanted to. I don't know that that's this, that's a big question. Cause this is a big spot and a big moment for, for Gunther as well. Um, I, you know, I, I was kind of a little interesting that the bloodline went over, uh, Sammy Kale and Riddle, Me even too. though Riddle took the pin, I thought it would be the other way. So I, I think where we're going with, you know, the Usos are, I think we've all booked it for WWE already that the Usos uh, will eventually turn face and get sent over to Raw. Roman's going to be sick of them or blah, blah. Maybe we get that this Friday because I think Roman um, it returns. I, I don't know. I don't know. if When you go down and look at the line of who's on Raw and who's ready for Gunther, I don't, does Riddle fill the part? Um, he's, he is coming off a pin. Is it Sammy? Is it KO? And that's what I don't like because you Riddle, know, I don't Riddle know. would feel perfect. He would be like where everybody is sort of slotted. You know, he would be he would be good. But and I do think it's intriguing that the Imperium worked Sammy and KO on Monday night. So there's that's something so. There. Do you almost there. feel like because you think about Cody's got the stuff with. With Brock, Brock, so it's not going to be mm-hmm. Cody. Seth is involved in the the world title stuff right here. We look around at the other baby faces like Nakamura recently had stuff with him. Ricochet and Braun are guys that are here. You know, do they do you go to them? They've both recently been been infused with Gunther. So not sure. Do they go back to someone who they've recently had one, or they go in a different direction? We will see as they build to Night of Champions, Saudi Arabia, May the 27th. We're going to have the finals for the world title tournament. Got to have a match with Roman Reigns, right? Because this is going to be the the 1,000 days. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I imagine you, you build someone for Roman. You get, you know, Brock and Cody. And right off the bat, that's a good-looking show on paper with the finals of a, that tournament, a Brock-Cody match, and, you know, Oh, whoever you, you can plot out for Roman. Yeah, those events have been uh, just as big as WrestleMania. It's kind of a bummer that it's it's the early morning hours over here in the United States, but that event has been pretty big. And uh, I expect we'll find out tomorrow night on SmackDown uh, who steps up and challenges Roman. I don't know. I, I haven't a clue what they're going to do there. So a couple other things to point out from Monday. Uh, we mentioned... Cody Rhodes, him and Brock have that match set up. It was in Jacksonville, so we got to kind of have a little moment with Jacksonville, which is the, the home <laughs> of AEW, where he spent a lot of time during the pandemic. That was kind of fun. And then him and Seth had a little face-off just for a second before uh, Seth walked walked down to the ring. And Chad, a lot of the stuff they did on Raw, just little simple things, but I like them. In some of these matches and in some of the matches on NXT that we saw for the women's tournament, 
they're getting they're letting people have little insert promos like they used to like really old school thing somebody cuts a small little promo either as they're walking to the ring that was pre-recorded or they cut their promo right before they walk to the ring which i love um they even had a video at the beginning of monday night raw just to describe all of the wrestlers <laughs> the only thing that bothered me about the video is they're going through everyone's <laughs> accolades and then they get to the miz and he's like Hollywood A-lister. They don't even mention <laughs> any of his titles. Yeah, he was a world champion. It was like he's a two-time Grand Slam champ. The Miz has held every title multiple times in their Hollywood A-lister. Uh, is he what defeated they said. John Cena at WrestleMania, right? He beat I mean, Cena at that. WrestleMania. He, <laughs> he beat Randy Orton for the title initially, for his first title. How many people yeah. can say that they beat John Cena and Randy Orton? And Randy Randy Orton. <laughs> right? Not not a whole heck of a lot. Um so I I just liked a lot of the the production of this week's shows and, and something that yeah. I even had, had mentioned to you. I thought they had little videos for maybe five or six of the NXT call-ups. I thought that was great. It all they were were like 30 seconds to a minute long. Not, honestly, they couldn't even have been that long because it wasn't like a 10-minute segment. So they were 20 seconds, little bit of who they are, they're coming up, and then boom, by the time we see them, we at least know a little bit about them. I, we don't need a full-on episode of Raw to, uh, like, you watch shows sometimes where they have those standalone episodes and they, like, take you off on a tangent. It's like, well, that was cool, but I needed a whole hour of, like, being in a different, <laughs> you know, we don't need a whole hour backstory on Zoe Stark, but give no. me the 10 seconds. Zoe Stark looked fantastic on raw i thought her presentation yeah. was great and she's not the best promo in the world but when it's short and when it's a heel promo and her not trying to act like the the fun baby face i think it works yeah she this she's intriguing here because she's so good inside the ring and what they the presentation with her on monday night uh with a little backstage segment or two and not to be too cute not to Look, they, they know her strengths and weaknesses, and there's no need to, hey, let's try to get you better on live TV with a microphone in your hand and not. And it was a tough spot for her to be in on Monday Night Raw. Look, there was a lot of things happening, and you, you've got an interesting crowd there in Jacksonville um, that uh, were really, really hot in certain spots of the night. And then she gets in the ring, and look, you and I both know not everyone watches NXT. Not everyone in the WWE universe knows who Zoe Stark is. But I think she held her own, and I think she's going to be a, a legit threat here uh, for a title. She can really go in the ring, and that's what uh, – I, I'd like to see her in some some bigger matches here coming up. Um, but, yeah, just the little presentations in the back. Just let her talk a little bit. Let her be an overly confident uh, – Wrestler, you know, right? Cocky like that's, wrestler, and that's yep. all you need with her. That's yep. all you need. She's not supposed to be a mean girl, like, saying cutesy, creative. Like, she's not supposed to be Tiffany Stratton. No. Right? Good point. We don't Good want point. her saying, like, oh, I don't need those pants. You know, she's not supposed to say <laughs> those kinds of things. She just is supposed to be mean and better than you in the ring. And I thought... I thought it was a really good first night and a really good first presentation for yes. someone like Zoe Stark. I thought she came off well. And one thing I like about her, and I will mention about Tiffany uh, Stratton when we, when we talk about her in a second, their in-ring work, their offense is so aggressive and intense when they're in-ring. 
it's great. I would feel I feel the same way for the men's and the women's matches. It, yeah. when, when you can tell someone is sort of going through the motions. Oh yeah. Right? Oh and, yeah. Like you get you get uh, you get out of it a little bit. Then on the flip side, if it's unsafe, I don't want to see people getting hurt, right? So it's a tough it's a tough like balance at times to make things look really intense but be safe in the ring. And from all reports so far, it seems like that's how Zoe is and and Tiffany too and I I love watching them in ring. I think it was a great night for Zoe. So yeah, Seth got the win over Nakamura and Damian Priest, and then that sent him to the uh, the match later in the night with Finn Balor. We had Mustafa Ali pick up a quick win. Positive Ali gets a, <laughs> a victory here. Uh, but this is more about the story going on with Otis and Gable and the uh, the Maximum Male Models. Miz, we spoke about him. Miz was in the triple threat with Finn Balor and Cody Rhodes. Finn Balor ends up winning. Looked like Cody was going to get the win. And then Brock Lesnar, as predicted. And sometimes predictable's fine, right? That's exactly if it that's exactly what made sense. Cody shouldn't Cody needed to be in this picture, in the title picture, but he couldn't lose a match clean. And then feel good about going to face Roman. So you have Brock Lesnar take him out. Finn gets the win. Finn moves on later in the night. He ends up getting beat by Seth in what was a good match. And and you just feel pretty good about where Finn is overall right now. You know, he's not quite at the world title level where a few years ago we may have thought he could be the guy, but he's certainly better off right now than where he was, you know, six months or a year ago. The stuff with Edge whether it was long and sort of played out, it did kind of help push him back up the ladder. Yeah, what we talked about earlier with Damon, Damian Priest, uh, you know, Finn has been able to, we've never questioned his in-ring work. Um, we didn't like the fact that he was the demon and he he lost at WrestleMania with his first uh, demonic loss there with that character. But just a, another solid effort. Uh, you don't want him to get lost in the shuffle here. Um Back to Cody. Uh, I, look, we'll get Cody Brock uh, two at Night of Champions. I expect Brock to get one back on him, and I think probably we end this at SummerSlam, some type of gimmick match between uh, him and Brock, um, and that'll tell the story for the rest of the summer. Because hey, look, we're we're getting close to already being halfway through May, and uh, we'll fly through June. And once we get past the July Fourth holiday, I mean, it's uh, look, we're the march is on to Summer. Slam, which is a massive, massive big event for uh, WWE. So um, that ought to be a fun storyline, but I would like to see where Finn bounces back here. You know, him, Priest, and Rhea and Dom are, are still hot as ever, and, and they put on really good matches. So I'd like to so see what's, what's next for those three. Here's what I want. I want Seth Rollins to win the title, and then I want his first challenges to be all of the Judgment Day. That's How good. cool would that be for like a month doing them I all in it. a row on TV? First, Finn Balor, then Damian Priest, and yeah, then end after, it with Dom. Yeah, he's all beat up after the first two weeks. He's like he's hurt a little bit. He's selling injuries, and then that last week it's Dom, and the crowd do it. Dom, like, <laughs> you got Priest and Balor outside, and Rhea. They're all trying to help out, and then, and then here comes Becky Lynch for the same. <laughs> And it sets That's up it. Becky I like it. and Rhea 
for SummerSlam. How's that? Look, I, I know I know there's a couple of guys in our group that just are not as high on Dom as you and I are, but he's getting nuclear heat here. Oh my man. gosh. Dude. Everywhere he goes, you gotta lean into it. You gotta lean into it. You, <laughs> you do. I'm not saying you have Don win Dom win the world title. No, no, you absolutely put him, not. You put him in a match though, and you give him a couple near falls that make it you make it think for a second with the judgment day out there cheating and this and with that. With a wounded and, Seth. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Seth limping around. And then you got <laughs> yeah. Rhea looks like she's gonna do it, and then and then Becky, and because Becky Rhea would be the a, a very big match for uh, for Rhea. So I don't know, doing the fantasy booking thing right here. As we had Rhea pick up a quick win over Dana Brooke, we had Natty come out after, and that's what you said. It it's not like exciting or sexy at the moment because Natty's someone that we've seen, but you know what, Natty's sort of. Natty's timing was really unlucky, I think. I think if Natty was like <laughs> yeah. five years later, we might have all felt a little bit different about her because she was just – she wasn't always presented like the biggest star. But if she came up with the group of NXT gals, she's as good as any, any of them in ring. No, no question. And look, I, I don't mind her being the next the next one Me neither. with Rhea. I, I have no problem with it. I just wanted to see – some emotion there as she came to I the know. ring. I didn't know if she was going to turn on Dana I, Brooke. Uh, you know, she was dressed in black. She had this look, and she made no emotion about it. And then Dom and Rhea left the ring. I just wanted something there. I'm not saying you have to get physical the first confrontation, but it's like she just walked in and just kind of like, okay. I know. You know, because half the time we don't know if, if you know, Natty has to work face sometimes. She works the heel. There's a tweener. I just wanted a little something from her. I think the match is going to be fine. You talk about physical. Those two ladies will beat the crap out of each other. And we know it's very similar to Zelina in that we know for a little while Rhea is not going to lose. Sure. So I don't mind putting her in the ring with some gals who aren't getting those opportunities as much and who are going to have good matches, good moments. Dude, who would have been who would have been a better choice than Zelina Vega in that match against Rhea Ripley? Nobody. None. No, yeah. none. You knew she was not gonna win, but it was such a good it was such a good atmosphere that people at the beginning of the match were going, should they have Zelina win for a day and then lose you know, something like that's what wrestling's supposed to do. It's supposed to make you feel that way and, and think that way. Now we'll see if they can build Natty up, like you said. Will the match be good? Yes, but can they make us a little bit more intrigued in Natty trying to get the title from Rhea? Let's see if they can get there with us. Um, very intrigued. Anytime we get Sonya and Chelsea, especially our girl Chelsea Green <laughs> out there, man. She they want people to sign a petition for all the injustices in the world. All of the injustices in the world. And it looks like <laughs> it looks like they may have a little feud coming up. With uh, with Candice and Indy because they're backstage. Johnny Gargano pops up. Dexter yeah. Loomis pops up, and the way is back. So this could be good for for everyone. And I, I actually like this. This is this is like a fun little TV feud. This is a good spot. And now all of a sudden, if Indy and Candice are a team, if Chelsea and Sonya are a team, if we're bringing up two of the women's teams on SmackDown on Raw, we've got a couple of them. Up now, we've got Raquel and Liv, who are feeling like more of a team. 
Not sure if we're going to get Bailey and Dakota sort of become their that tag team now. All of a sudden, Chad, it feels like there's like five teams, and most of the time <laughs> there's not even one. No, right? Yeah, and, and Johnny, he made the he made the remark he should be returning. I think I think he's talking about Tommaso Ciampa, and yes. maybe we can get the whole gang back together. Now that would be tr- fun for TV. Could you imagine Ciampa and Gargano versus Sammy and KO oh, man. tag match on TV with those yeah. guys? Like, bring Ciampa back. That's a perfect way to bring him back. You can start out with these guys as a tag team, and then and I, you can get the inevitable turn, like they did they, to the story that they told in NXT so beautifully. Yeah, and you know, Chelsea and Sonya have done uh, as good as a job you could to remain relevant after losing several matches and going around with petitions, and they're getting yet another title uh, yep. rematch after uh, uh, Liv and Raquel defend their titles this Monday night on Raw. So that that that's what you want to see each week on television. The world championship doesn't have to be put on the line, as you said, every week. But that's what these other titles are for, not to diminish them, but when they're, when they're defended on TV, instead of just Liv and Raquel working someone else in a non-title or number one contenders match, and then the contenders win to get to to get a title match it just that doesn't help anyone involved but i like the fact that you have a match coming up for the titles and then whoever walks out of there with those titles are going up against sonya and chelsea again i like that you want to save roman reigns for pay-per-views and big shows that's fine but what tv needs to be with as many titles as you have with the intercontinental championship the united states championship with both women's championships, with the uh, the new world championship that Seth Rollins or whoever from SmackDown will have, with the tag team champions, with the women's tag team champions, every episode of Raw, there should be one time, and, and or SmackDown, there should be one of those being defended, or at the very least, or a number one contenders match, we should yes. always have a match, at least one that's important, that has really yes, big stakes. Agree. agree. Always. Like, that should be, like, a starting point when they're <laughs> booking the shows. It's like, okay, what's going to be our big stakes match that that you could even put as your main event, right? That's one thing that I will give AEW credit for is they make a lot of the matches with the titles feel important even though they're not always with the most over wrestlers or the ones we see every week they try to they try to put that in your head that those matches are supposed to be important because they're in the main event spot and wwe has no problem putting um any any match in the main event of raw or smackdown i would just love if they all had a little bit more meaning and they can with all of these titles and number one contenders matches what else did we have? So we had Trish Stratus. He's really <laughs> leaning into the heel, Trish. I know I, people, this was sort of devi- uh, divisive. I saw a lot of people not like this. Initially, when I when it started, I, I wasn't loving it. And then at the end, I was like, man, I'm hating Trish. And it's exactly what she's supposed to be doing, right? It's She's supposed to be making us not like her. And she has been one of the most lovable, loved stars since she left the company and so this is not easy but she's talking trash on becky's two-year-old daughter 
She's, she's, doing it on, she's doing it on Twitter, too. I don't know if you saw it yesterday. Becky posted something about the daughter coloring something. And Trish quoted it, and I, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, Trish, no. She, just, she doesn't know her colors. And, <laughs> oh, I, I actually enjoyed this. I thought I thought it's pretty good. Like, she's Trish is – I think she's hitting what she's going for. And, and then Becky's there, and the two will be great in a ring. I actually – I didn't mind this. I thought it was fine. Like, I, I'm not – I didn't love it, but I saw a lot of people – I hadn't watched it live, and so when I saw people kind of razzing it, I was expecting it to be really, really bad. And I think the the crowd just doesn't know what to they do. They didn't know what to do. That's the problem, right? Yeah, because they're not reacting. Because it's hard. We've been trained to love her. I don't think they really want to <laughs> boo her that much. But she's she's doing a good job with it. She's doing everything she can to try to make them. Man, she looks like a million bucks too. I don't I don't know what her secret is, but uh, holy cow, she. Uh, she looks she's be- she's look, like the remember, female look. Benjamin Button. She looks yeah. better and goes backwards. You know, and look, she was she was drafted. Let, let's not forget. I'm not saying she's going to be full time for the next five years, but I think they've got plans for her through SummerSlam with her. Like I said, I love. I don't know now with the flips of the the titles and but I would yeah, love to see Bianca, her, right? to be beat Yonka just for like a little short run, just to get you know some super heat on her, and then you could have Becky take it off of her. We'll see what they're going to plan for Becky and Trish moving forward. You feel like that would be something at Night of Champions in a in a few weeks. Uh, Dominic picked up a win over Xavier. That was just quick. Um, and we talked more about Sonya and Chelsea looking for more signatures. Um, <laughs> you know, they we had a little promo for Indu Sheer, who tell us that they are going to strike. Next week on Raw, Gunther back from his honeymoon. Miz against Nakamura. And Sonya and Chelsea get the challenge. Um, Raquel and Liv again. So uh, we'll see if it's actually them. Because they do have to defend it against Bailey and Dakota Kai on SmackDown. We finished up with the World Heavyweight title final. Which we already spoke about. So Seth Rollins, he's in the uh, the final. We'll see who he's going to face after SmackDown on Friday. Coop, we move to NXT, and this was an episode that was focused around the women's title tournament, and I personally, whether it's WWE, AEW, on Raw, on SmackDown, on NXT, I just mentioned how I like the matches that have meaning. It's even better when there's a like a story throughout the show. And the, the story of this episode was the women's title tournament, right? We're, we're having some matches for this. We're setting up this women's title tournament. So just like on Monday Night Raw for the men's world heavyweight title, just like it's going to be on SmackDown, you feel like these matches are a little bit more important and the shows have a little bit more um, don't can't miss factor to them. What I, I was a little surprised by, though, um, opening match, Tiffany Stratton, Gigi Dolan. This thing goes really quick, like five uh, minutes. Yeah. Tiffany picks up a win over Gigi, which I don't love. Now I like I like Tiffany. I think if you were gonna have her win the world, win the NXT Women's Championship, that's fine. I didn't like the way Gigi was treated in this match. I know she has stuff going on with JC, so why not have JC interfere in the match if that's what you're going to do? This was just a pretty clean loss for her, right, Coop? 
yeah, I didn't like it. Um, and I wanted to like it and I didn't, um, I'm a fan of both. Now, if Tiffany goes on and wins this, um, maybe we'll just look back on it and say, okay, no big deal. But I don't, well, I don't know. What does it do for Gigi? Why, why right. would you, you just made Gigi look really good. I think she has a nice connection with the fans. We've heard her story. She, they've done a really nice job making her into this believable baby face and, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't you, like the, I don't like the clean loss. I don't. You just had an. Just you don't. had such an easy out with JC and the whole story. Exactly what they did with Cody and Brock. You just have JC come and cheat, and Tiffany wins. And it wouldn't have made Tiffany look any less. Tiffany's looking good in the ring. Like she's good in ring. But I didn't think this was a great, uh, great for Gigi. Here we had the Dyad versus Gallus. It was a good match. It went about 11 minutes, and we have Gallus gets the win, getting the win here. So, what's the new blood though, or like who's next? The the men's tag division right now. I'm I'm kind of wondering about. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I don't know. Right? I don't know what's don't going know. on with the Creed brothers. Um, uh, I mean Brooks and Jensen are back. Mama real. Oh yeah, maybe we could they're see back. them. We could see them know. maybe going after they, it. Them. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think Chase U would be going after it because they have their own issues. No. We uh we have Duke Hudson versus Javi. Um big body Javi. Actually got a yeah. <laughs> uh Duke, it's a this a quick win in here. Duke is in charge of Chase U at the moment. He's the sub right now. We gotta look at Eddie Thorpe and Damon Kemp. So uh, Eddie Thorpe gets a victory there. Just yeah, we're quick. gonna see a lot. Of, we're gonna see a lot of new newbies here coming. That's up. what I think, right? Because you know, we, we've had a lot new, of call ups here. Yep, new influx of talent, new coming in. Dijak gets DQ'd in a match against Dragonoff, so it seems like they're saving this for something, probably for Battleground, because these two guys, if you let them get in there and go fifteen or twenty minutes, they are gonna have the match of the night. And uh, it was uh, very physical. They beat the heck out of each other. Um, I I don't mind the match if you're if you're gonna if we're gonna run it back here at a pay per view. Um, we'll get a probably a clean finish. But these two guys just beat the heck out of each other, man. I, I like Dijak. I, I think this is a guy that, um, and I like Dragonoff too. Uh, but Dijak, I, I think uh, you know here's the guy that went up on the main. Got screwed over a little bit. Come back down. This is kind of like his uh, getting his feet set again. Uh, this is a guy that could probably win your NXT t- World Title Championship here over the next, you know, several months. That's this. That'll be a fun match on the pay per view. These two can will be able to tear the house down. They'll tear each other up real stiff here. We had our uh, our guys, Mamarino. <laughs> Uh, they're back on the same page here, so yeah, maybe it's them going after the tag team championships. That would make that would make a lot of sense. In the women's title tournament quarterfinal, we had Lyra Valkyria versus Kiana James. Valkyria gets the win. Well, I think it went about nine, ten minutes or so. It was fine, yeah. and this makes sense for Valkyria to get the victory. So next week, Roxanne will have her match. And uh, Cora Jade also looks like uh, those two are probably favorites next week. We'll see if they can get their wins and and move along. Braun Breaker versus Trick Williams. 
Um, man, Braun was just uh, Trick was talking in the in the barber shop earlier. He was talking about how this was going to be his night. There's even a little a little like tease of some dissension maybe with him and Carmelo. Not le- not that a lot, but just that Trick wanted to do this on his own and wants to be uh, you know uh, getting a, a spotlight here. I thought you know he I thought he looked pretty good. This was obviously for heel Braun Breaker, but I like Trick in this role. I think with Carmelo, he's a great guy that you could have be in matches just like this with whoever Carmelo's opponent are, right? Because you could put Trick in there. He could look good, never beat them, and be fine losing these matches. Yeah, I like the, what's the, Braun had the, what? The Steiner recliner. Yeah, and and was it on a singlet? It said meaner, tougher than evil, meaner than evil, or something like that. That he that he had. Um, I thought the main event was fine here. Uh, you got you got to see what Trick was all about, and then of course Carmelo comes out and he gets his brains bashed in too. So this this is intriguing here. It, it's just this is what we wanted from Braun from day one, and I think it. Uh, they didn't really know what they had other than a, a, you know a super talented guy. Do we make him face? Do we make him heal? Does he need to be a Steiner? Uh, this is what we wanted. And this is what we're getting. You know, he's kind of, the, the problem I'm having here is as good as Carmelo is. And, and he's the champion is Braun seems to be the stronger of the two. He he's getting over on everyone. Uh, even on the champion, this is what two or three weeks in a row. He's, uh, he, he's beat up Carmelo. So, uh, I don't know. Could could you see Braun getting this title back? It doesn't look like he's coming up, unless uh, we're surprised over the next month or two. Do, can you see Braun going over Carmelo here? I don't think so. I think the best thing to do would be to have Braun do something really heelish. Maybe okay. write him write him kind of off for a little bit. Kind of find a way to protect him without having him lose this. But yeah, okay. I don't know. You're kind of in a weird spot. Like he's, you're you're pointing out a great thing. Like they may have booked themselves into a bit of a corner because I don't think you want Braun to just lose clean right now. You certainly no, don't want can't. Carmelo to do that after you just kind of made him your guy. So curious to see where they go in NXT. But I thought overall a pretty solid show. As we move to AEW in Coop, we had a double Jeopardy match to start. Whoever wins the singles match gets a shot at the other's title. It was Claudio Castagnoli who gets the victory over Phoenix. So Claudio will earn an AEW tag team title match. Okay. Um, the, the only the in-ring work was really good. The only problem that I have is just like there's so many belts. I have yeah. to think like, okay, <laughs> what? whose belt? And that means he's getting a shot at which belt with who? Like that, I'm, pl- I'm doing the math in my head, but the match was good. Claudio's yeah, good. Good. Phoenix is good. It's just, it's a bummer because when Claudio came over immediately right off the bat, you know, feels like a star for a week or so. We see him in there. I know he's part of the Blackpool Combat Club, but he definitely feels like, the third or fourth most important person in that group that's right behind Danielson Moxley, sometimes even Wheeler Yuta getting more TV time, getting involved in more angles on AEW. So yeah, I don't, I mean, he's the ring of honor world champ, but I still 
don't know what that does for him. Is that doing more for him right now than it was when he was in WWE and we all said he was underused there? No, I, I'm just going to tell you right now. I, I don't, I don't just because ring of honor does some monthly tapings and they have a monthly show that you can watch through the ring of honor. Uh, I think it's called the honor club still where you, you pay and watch that. I, I you know, look, the matches may be fine, but it, it, I don't think it's doing anything for them. I just, the guy is such a star looking. I know he was a star in the tag match in WWE. What we really wanted was a singles run. And I thought that's what we were getting. Remember he comes on the pay-per-view AEW on the, what was that? The K some kind of gimmick match. It was either scaffold or cage and, and he won the match and we don't see him for a while. I, the match was fantastic, and, and it shows you what Claudio has. And you remember, I, I just I, I don't like him being in a in a three or four man, you know, gimmick club. I, I just I, I don't get that for him. I, I don't like that. I, it's not when when I think of him, I don't think of him as that. This is a guy that needs to have a long singles run. But I don't think we. If you look at the AEW roster, Gino, majority of these people on this roster are in a faction and I don't like that. I think it's too convoluted. Uh, but nonetheless, the show started with a really good match. The match had a meaning, um, even though both teams have belts and I, it did have a meaning and we opened with a, with a, a hell of a match strong. I just don't like it that all these guys are part of part of groups and you got to figure out which ones and which belts. It's real convoluted. The, Next person we see on the screen is Miro. Miro Miro is back and he goes into Tony Khan's office. So Miro, it'll be exciting to see where they, uh, where they slot him in. What do you think? Where's going to be the the spot for Miro? Man, I don't know. Um, Number one, it's good to see him back. Um, This, this may be the deciding run. If Miro is going to make it or not, AEW. Um, he's been gone for a while for whatever reason it was. We're not going to speculate. I think we all know he, he had some movies and stuff and some video game stuff to shoot, but there was some tension between the two, but I, I think this is where the crossroad for him and this company. So, uh, what, regardless what he does, when he comes back, if, if you're not ready to put him in a title picture, any other feud other than a main title picture, uh, it, it's not going to be worth it for me. You know, maybe he comes back on the Saturday show because I think we're getting another big announcement next week from Tony Khan. Uh, which I, I wait, think so you wait, wait, so wait. This week we had an announcement of an announcement. Is that what you're yeah, saying? That's it. We, we had did. an announcement that next week next there's going to be gonna a have bigger an announcement. announcement. It was a, it was. <laughs> A prelude, a prelude of an announcement. <laughs> so we're now announce. They should, yeah. We're announcing week, announcements now. Tony Khan's so. got an announcement for an announcement next week. It, look, it, look. If you're gonna, you know, we know we're separating some guys, and we we got can't have them on this show. This show, um, you better make sure Miro's one of the stars up top because I said th- this is probably going to be his decide final and deciding run here in AEW. So if you like Miro, you're gonna want to hope for the best for this guy. Now, I um, actually thought the build this week to the Four Pillars match was the best that they've done. Yes. I thought the yes. videos and these little segments that they had were much better than the stuff they have been trying to do in ring and laying it on too thick. I actually didn't know what to think with Sammy Guevara. I was like, wow. Um, he came off kind of like a solid baby face. I thought Jack Perry 
sounded good. And MJF sitting in a chair talking. He wants to talk about the pillars. He goes through them all, and he actually mentions CM Punk's name. That's the first time we've heard that name mentioned. He mentioned CM Punk, Jericho, Cody Rhodes, Brian Danielson. So I thought the build for this was good. I've been a little bit critical, um, but I I thought this is the best I've felt so far moving in. Now, this show is only a couple weeks away, and I still don't know how many matches we even have booked and what's selling this show because – the reports were awesome about the show in the UK, but the reports of this show selling not many tickets recently um, yeah. with, with kind of how it's been built up. And I can kind of understand why that just doesn't seem like there's a whole, there's maybe one or two really good matches that they're going to have built for this show. FTR segment coming up next. So I didn't like any of this. No. I gotta say. One isn't Jeff Jarrett uh, an alcohol a former alcoholic? Yes, yes. And there's alcohol. <laughs> we got tequila being thrown around. We got alcohol. I I never a fan of like when you have someone that has real life problems with substances and you tease it for your TV. I you just don't need to do that. You can do other things. Like we book this shit. You know what I mean? Like we can book yeah. it to not be this way. Um, it's not like a real life thing that you needed to, to bring in right now for any reason. Um, Dutt sprays mouth uh, alcohol at Dax. Then he attacks Dax is blind. So he ends up doing a pile driver on Briscoe. Not really. I just thought this whole thing was, was not very well done. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't really like it. And, and maybe it just started rubbing me wrong as soon as I kind of associated the alcohol and Jeff Jarrett there. I might've just kind of checked out of it right, right about that point. Yeah, I agree. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not a fan of this, the storyline altogether anyway. And it, it definitely didn't do anything for me to get even more invested into it. You know, I, I, the match will probably be fine. I'm just not, I'm not enthused about what's been happening here each week with these, with all these guys. Coop, we then had Renee interviewing Jericho backstage Said that Cole got the best of him. So this will be something that they're building towards. Roderick Strong came up and said that he's delusional. And we're going to have a match next week on Dynamite. Which should be a lot of fun. Jericho and Roderick Strong. But I guess that's, you know, between the Four Pillars match. Cole, Jericho will get what the Elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club in some way, shape, or form. So those will be like the headline matches for... uh, for the the next pay per view coming up, so what what you think and and what have you thought about the uh, the Cole and Jericho stuff? Yeah, it's not bad. Well, next week, whatever you get a good Falls Count Anywhere match, and I think uh, I think Strong said, or I think he handed him or told him something that the the Jericho Appreciation Society is. Uh, I think they're banned from the arena, so I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. Um, it just it it, it kind of it, it doesn't. It's not bad, but also at the same time, it's not anything that I, oh, I cannot wait to see next week to see uh, Jericho and Roderick Strong. But I've got interest in it. I think the matches will be fine. Look, I'm a Jericho mark, always have been. Um, You know, he's doing about as good as he can do at this point in his career. The guy's over 50 years old now, I think, or close to it, and uh, still being able to do a lot of this stuff. Uh, It's... uh, I'm sure you're going to get a main event or two out of it. 
as long as the matches are good and we don't get really, really silly uh, with some of the gimmicks that we're going to be involved in here over the next couple of weeks, I'm okay with it. So AEW Double or Nothing is going to be what's crazy. Um, So this, in two weeks, we are going to have... That's right. It's yes, Memorial Day weekend. It's on Sunday, May twenty eighth. So Memorial we're gonna have we have actually WWE Night of Champions the night before, and then Battleground um, counter programmed NXT oh, wow. uh, double or nothing. So there's gonna it's the olden days. We got the Tuesday night. What we got the Wednesday night wars back against each other again. We got <laughs> NXT, and so keep in mind. Even though more people watch AEW than NXT on free TV, if you have the choice and it's one night and you got Peacock already because you're subscribed and that NXT show is free and you have to pay 50 bucks for the pay-per-view for double or nothing and you're looking at the card and you're like, "Ah, MJF's not going to lose that match. He's definitely in the main event, so he's not going to lose that. Um, And we, we don't really... So the only other match they have is FTR versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. That's it. They have two matches carded right now. MJF versus Sammy versus Jungle Boy versus Darby. And then FTR versus Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Mark Briscoe, special guest referee. Only two matches they have carded for the show, which is May 28th. And the one thing that's weird to me about this, Chad, is that this isn't really like when WWE or NXT puts together a couple matches for a pay-per-view the week before or two weeks before because they have pay-per-views every month when you only have four shows why do you wait so long to actually have the matches official when when isn't the point to like have them official three weeks or a month out then you can sell the pay-per-views based on the matches you can sell more tickets based on what people know I it just kind of seems backwards to me yeah, and it, it seems like they're putting all their eggs in this Wembley show, Wembley Stadium show basket too at the moment. That's all I've I've heard about as far as AEW for the past. Everything's positive week. because of that. Nothing about right. the ratings or anything here local. No. It's just that since that is going so great, that's incredible, and I completely agree with you. That's good. I'm, like that's a great thing for them to go there and sell those tickets and do that. That doesn't mean you can just forget about. A lot of the other things happening here or legitimate gripes that we're having like this is there are two episodes of dynamite left before that pay-per-view and i don't know i don't yeah, know and, how and many look, people are going to spend at, 50 for it and looking at next week's dynamite show you've got you know the announcement from con you've got jericho and strong falls count anywhere and jericho appreciation society's banned from the building you do got an interesting match between Starks and Jay White, but at the same time, that's on TV. That's, uh, you know, they're probably not going to run it back. And then you have the Outcast versus Hater, Britt, and Sheeta. So we don't have anything even on the women's title uh, picture. You know, we know that Thunder Rosa came back last night, right? And we saw her do the same thing with Miro. You know, she's been gone out of action for about a year now because of a bad back. So, yeah. You know, WWE is going to have a lot of buzz that weekend, and I don't know what AEW is waiting for. You know, or is, is this going to be a moment where CM Punk comes back for that that weekend? And we know next week we'll probably get the collision show for Saturday. So 
yeah, I've never liked it where, you know, WWE's been guilty of it. You know, at least we had the matches for WrestleMania. We didn't know what nights a couple of them were going to be on until the week of, but at least we knew it. This, we 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 don't have anything except to go for what what we're going on. I, I, I don't know. I, I've never liked this method of madness. I don't like it. I like structure. I definitely not don't like it with two weeks out. And this is one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year. Shout out again to Orange Cassidy, man. He yeah, looks man. he looks He's good. He, he wins against Daniel Garcia. He continues to just have really great matches. This thing went like 13 plus minutes or so. Video package of the outcast with uh, Ikaro Shida. And looks like we're going to have a six-woman tag match maybe at, at the pay-per-view. Yeah. I just, it's starting to drag and it doesn't really have a lot of direction. You know, a few weeks ago, I thought things were getting better and sort of cleaned up, but I don't know where they're going or like, what's the end game here? Who, who's the match? What's the big match they're building towards? I don't, I don't really know. No. And I think they're hiding some injuries too. I think that's why yeah, we're that's getting a, a lot point. of these tag matches. That's a good but, point. You know, and that, that's unfortunate because, you know, it happens, but you know, if someone can't work, you know, we, we've seen them do the interim interim gimmick, but you know, if, uh, if you're bringing, Thunder Rosa back, and if she's been cleared, boy, that's a quick turnaround for her to, to be in a match on Memorial Day weekend. Did Christian make a comment about Arn Anderson's son that recently passed away? He did. He did. Man, I think that's a little too much for me. You know, <laughs> like, I like when Christian gets heel. He said a lot of stuff about Jungle Boy's dad, too. But he made a comment that, Arn was looking for a new Wardlow found the father figure he was looking for, and Arn was looking for a new son himself. <laughs> and then he sort of yeah. mentioned Brock. Brock. He said he Brock is under contract, yeah. but Arn's oldest son Barrett died in March. Um, and yeah, then Christian kind of tied it to the other guy stuff with Tully. I don't know. Um, yeah, kind of a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth with that one. Yeah, I remember Cage is as you mentioned. He's done some some poor taste here over the last year or two with the feuds here. And I don't pr- have a problem with him, you know, him coming out, getting heat, you know, the crowd was basically chanting edge's name during, during all this. I don't know if you caught that. It, I, I heard it on, on my broadcast. Um, there was some edge chats while Christian was out there. You know, he talked about, well, Wardlow, your dad is irrelevant, so I'm not even going to waste my breath or whatever it was talking about your dad. And I'm like, why are we even talking? If you need heat, you need to build something uh, and, and talking about stuff we should need to be talking about. It just, it, it's not right. I, 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 And you know he has no shot against Wardlow. You know, look, I, I'm not for Wardlow and Arn Anderson being together either, but I think there's another way going about getting heat in this. I, I don't know. You know, I thought Wardlow was the, I thought Wardlow was the heel in all this, and then Christian Al heals him. I don't know. It's just, just, just an odd deal for for some of these storylines of, of what they're doing and try to promote these matches and, and build heat. It's just, it's, it's never been good. I don't know who signs off onto this, but it's not good. Yeah, didn't didn't love that. Julia Hart versus Anna Jay. They had a no holds bars match. This thing went about you no know, ten minutes. They got a lot of time here, but. I don't know. It's another one where it just sort of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like we don't get any build for it or anything. And it's just, oh, okay, we're going to give them 10 minutes on dynamite. Why didn't we have a little build of this the last couple of weeks and then have this? (laughs) Right. 
it, it, you know, we're, it's, it's hard enough to follow along on social media because there's so much stuff going on. I, I just, I have no problem with the match. You look, it was probably the better of the, of, of these two ladies career and they beat the crap out of each other with kendo sticks. I just, it was, it was out of nowhere. It was like an RKO out of nowhere. It's like, okay, go for it, ladies. I, I just, I think they missed the boat on this. I think they just say, hey, look, we're putting these matches together. Uh, you're either going to like them or you're not. And we're okay with not building it up. And I just, again, you, you talk to an old school guy like me, I've got to have some substance for me uh, to get behind it. And it was definitely not something to talk about the next day. Remember it, if you look back at the show. I just thought there could have been some other things, you know. I just think there's some other ladies on this on this roster that uh, deserve more time than these two. Well, House of Black had a match against Trent Beretta, Chuck Taylor, and Bandito for the trio's title. Um, Alistair Black picked up the win here. Malachi Black picks up the win here in House of Black in eight minutes. Then after they cut backstage, Orange Cassidy is knocked out. They show someone on camera, and they do a reveal. Like, it's supposed to be something important, and it's a guy from Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher, that, like, nobody really knows. No, nobody knows. It's like, I, I didn't, uh, this didn't, well, this was a swing and a miss, just because you don't need to reveal someone like that if it's not someone that people are going to know. Just don't have them be, like, a reveal. Just have it be attacking them and let Excalibur tell us who it is. But you well, don't have to act like it's a big deal. The problem, the first problem I had, we have an, it was open house rules match. And there was something involved with, oh, look, you can't have any spooky witches. It's like, what, what? I, I, I just, w- when you start getting fancy and too cute, it just takes away and from they it. turn the I, lights I, I, off. Yeah the, yeah, the lights and they were flickering. It's like, come on, guys. You know, if we're going to, if we're going to, we're going to crap all over WWE for doing some of the silly stuff they did with. Uh, with the fiend, yeah, with the fiend and Alexa Bliss. I mean, this is this was pretty cheesy. That had zero to do with the match. I just whatever. No spooky witches, you know. That, that kind of jumps the shark in the match for me. Starks and Jay White have a match coming soon, so I guess that'll be at uh at the pay per view, or that's next week. Next, that's next week. Yeah, um, next week. Jay White, just another another random guy. Just no, feel. that's unfortunate. This was the next needle mover. And look, I'm a big Jay White fan, but what they what he's done since coming there, nothing. Now look, this, this match will be fantastic, but I don't know why this match is not on the pay-per-view. Build it up. Build it up. Starks can go. We love Starks. We've seen what he can do. Give it away on free TV. I don't know, man. So we finish up with Kenny Omega versus Moxley in a cage match. Mm-hmm. Good match. These guys sure. go crazy as expected. It's just a lot, man. It, it gets a <laughs> lot. And I, um, honestly, Moxley gets the win in 14, but it's more about what happens at the end. Don Callis hits Kenny Omega with the screwdriver, and he turns on Kenny Omega. So Don Callis with the big heel turn. I mean, he's always really been a heel, but the full-on heel turn on Kenny Omega. So I I like this in that. I think it'll get us to the point where we need to be where Kenny is yeah. the big baby face of this company. And if this if this is what we had to do, I, look, they're talking about, oh, my God, it was a shocking turn. I just thought it was weird for Callus to be with Omega from from the get go. I just thought it was uh, it was a long, weird, winding road to get here between Callus and Omega. Remember, we went to Impact for a while and he lost the Impact World title to Christian. While he was still the AEW world 
world champion. I think he was the new Japan champion. I don't know. He had like four belts, but the Callus turn didn't do anything for me. But if this helps get Omega back to where, you know, the cleaner where we want him to be, then I'm okay with it. But it, it was a lot going on for this to be a steel cage match for sure. Koopa loop, my man. No, it you're was, the man. Was, you're the look. You're the one handing out winners. Uh, you know, for some free. thrive, some thrive free fantasy, money. some thrive money, fantasy man. money. You're jumping on that thrive fantasy train too. I saw you've been uh, been posting a few of those and doing uh, doing well. So Koopa Loop, what's uh, what's coming up for you this weekend? Who are you going to be partying with, taking pictures of? Uh, <laughs> what's up for you? Man, I got all kind of stuff. I got some old school rock and roll coming up, and we got a good indie professional wrestling indie show. Uh, here in Beaumont on Saturday night. Hurricane Pro is back. You've got the Impact World Champion, Steve Macklin, is going to be there. You've got Steph DeLander is going to be there. So I'll be uh, I'll be ringside taking some photos. So uh, a lot of things happening, man, here in the month of May. We're, uh, man, your Lakers are giving you a heart attack and not finishing it off on the road. Look, I, when the Lakers are playing, I never want to look at the score in the second half. I just want to get on Twitter. And, and I want to gauge. I want to gauge where where Gino's mindset is at. Man, man, I'm <laughs> and watching that's what these. I, do. <laughs> I know. I'm watching these Warriors games right now. And I'm, man, yeah, oh my god. At, le- at least, at least, you're in the semifinals, man. I, I, you know, the Rockets, poor old Rockets. We can't even get them to the. We can't even get 25 wins, much less the playoffs. But it's uh, it's fun to watch. See you guys sweat, and uh, you know, it's uh. I thought last night was going to be tough, but, uh, you know, Draymond Green gets to do whatever Draymond Green does, oh, yeah. whatever he wants to. Man, that guy, look, I, just, I've never liked this guy's M.O. from day one. It's Me not neither. just last night. Oh, I, I don't no get dog it. In the I, don't, I just don't it, get it. Fantastic player. I just don't understand yeah. why, if you were an official, why you would allow someone to embarrass you like that repeatedly. And Because the thing is, Draymond's smart. If officials just called him – for fouls a couple times right off the bat and teed him up and he did they did it two or three games in a row he just wouldn't do it anymore i know i know he just wouldn't but they allow him to do it and it's it's absurd um it it really is so we'll see if the warriors get that same whistle on friday (laughs) back in la man i'm gonna be sweating on friday dripping just that'll be a fun one koopa loop next week more on this week in wrestling, everything going on in the world of WWE with Raw, with SmackDown, with NXT, and then over on AEW. Thanks so much, buddy. We're going to give you a follow at the Chad Cooper. Have a great weekend, my friend. All right, Gino. Talk to you next week. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. A big thank you to Chad for helping us out. Don't forget about our daily NBA shows every Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on Twitter, and then every Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern, all throughout the NBA playoffs, all the way through the NBA finals. And we will have a deep dive recap and review coming up of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Just went and saw that. Loved it. Really excited to talk about that one with Tim Kelly. We'll have that with you in the next week or so. And I'm going to go watch that once, maybe even twice more before we talk about it here so I can really, really uh, enjoy it again and and know some more of the specifics before we dive on into it. So thanks so much, folks, for uh, hanging out with us. Good luck this weekend in all your plays and best of luck.
on the pony 